This is it. This is what? If I take one more step, it'll be the farthest away from home I've ever been. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Carpe diem. Seize the day. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. And now I know that only love can truly save the world. Never give up, never surrender. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Movie Quest 2018, brought to you by No Coast Bias, nocoastbias.com. I am here, first off, with uh, the one and only Mr. Bo Pullman. Bo, how are you doing? Hello. Hey, I'm good. Good. Uh, and also joining us from the deep farmland of Iowa, Miss Bailey Creeker. Bailey, how are you doing? Hello. I'm doing great. We still have we still have internet out this way. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> the marvels of technology truly know no bounds. Uh, so this is a movie podcast, so I guess we should talk about movies. Uh, are you guys good okay. with that, or you want to talk about that something else? Sounds okay to me, I guess. All right, cool. Let's. We do have it. to. Um, if you're unfamiliar with Movie Quest, uh, we broke it down in our last episode. Stupid. Why don't you go back and listen to that first? Uh, <laughs> but basically, we meet once a month. We podcast. We talk about movies we have seen, movies we want to see, and then in between those podcast episodes every month. Um, we'll be writing written reviews. Um, I wrote a review about A Quiet Place uh, most recently. Um, Bo's got a review of Tully coming up real soon, and you can check all those out at nocosbias.com, um, as well as this podcast, as well as SoundCloud, and um, I'm going to get it up on iTunes probably soon, like next weekend or something. It'll be up on iTunes soon. Um, awesome. Then you can listen to it there. Uh, so let's cut right into it. I kind of mentioned it already, but we've all seen this. Um, oh, I guess we should mention what we've seen. Um, I'll start first. I, I only caught Avengers Infinity War and A Quiet Place this month. Uh, Bailey, what did you see? I also saw A Quiet Place uh, this month. And um, last month I mentioned it, this movie, which was on my to-watch list. Um, this weekend on Sunday, uh, Fahrenheit 451 comes out on HBO. So I would like to watch that uh, probably early next week. Um but have not seen it yet. Anxiously anticipating it. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a, a couple in the next couple weeks that I'll be going to as well. Uh, Bo, you have quite the list again this week. You're yeah, the I winner know. so far. Yeah. Crushing the I've got summer vacation, though, as a teacher, That's, so I might catch up on it. Yeah, you. I expect you to catch up, actually. <laughs> I, that, would, I hope I do. <laughs> that'd be awesome. I want it to be close. Um, I also saw A Quiet Place. That's the one I think all three of us have in common. Um, I also saw Avengers Infinity War, like Brian, and I saw caught the Leisure Seeker, Isle of Dogs, Blockers, uh, the week of, which is on Netflix. Um, it's the new Adam Sandler movie on yeah, Netflix. That's right. And then, and then uh, Tolly, which I'm going to be writing a review soon about, which Brian mentioned. Yeah, and uh, we'll also be going in-depth on A Quiet Place, Tolly, and Avengers Infinity War. So if you listen to this podcast, you'll get some of Bo's insight onto Tolly before it hits... The, I was going to say the paper, but it's the digital. So, <laughs> the digital paper. Yeah, the digital paper. Uh, so why don't we cut right into A Quiet Place. That's the one we all saw. I think we all had very strong feelings about it. Um, I wrote a review on it. I absolutely loved it. Um, what were your guys' thoughts just in general? Did you, did you love it, hate it? What did you think? I loved it. And I went into it thinking I probably would love it. Um, I just heard good things. And I think watching pre kind of interviews about it too from John Krasinski and Emily Blunt uh, kind of gives you extra insight and in just to the process of the whole movie, but went in pretty with pretty high expectations. And I left pretty much like having those have been met. I wouldn't say they were like, 
over it, it it met my expectations at exactly what exactly what I thought it would be, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I also went in with high expectations. Um, I knew that John Krasinski was an established director already. Like this is his third movie, I believe, that he's directed, and um, I was excited to see him with his wife and uh, directing something that he's also starring in. And uh, I think like right after seeing the movie, I would have assigned it like an eight out of ten. I think over time, as I've thought about it a little bit more, I think I downgrade that slightly to like a seven. Um, I think that it's really good at sort of putting us putting us in this place that I've never been before in a movie theater where I was actually honing in on all the sounds happening around me. Um, and I, I was like silently telling people to shut up, like, you're going to kill us, like, stop it. Um, like hearing people shift in their seat, usually that's something you tune out. Hearing crunches of popcorn, like everybody bought popcorn in my screening, but everybody was apprehensive about crunching on that popcorn. <laughs> um, what an experience, especially for this movie, to um, actually pay attention to your surroundings and actually feel like you're in danger yourself. Yeah. Um, I think my my biggest problem with it is that they're just some places where it treats the audience so like they're intelligent and other places where it kind of spoon feeds information and without spoiling too much, just kind of asks questions, not out loud per se, but just in your face in a way that I think um, could have more subtly been asked. Yeah, no, that's, totally. That's kind of, that's kind of like glossing over it without spoiling too much. But there, there's like, I mean, it, I don't think it's a spoiler to say like, for example, the information that they write on their whiteboard. It's like you'd never write down, like, what is their weakness? Yeah. You know, like, so, but other places where it was so intelligent about communicating the rules of the world and, and how the world works. And not only that, but showing and not telling. And I mm -hmm. mentioned this in my review, but with a, a movie with virtually no sound, you have to be able to show the rules of the universe you've established and these creatures that you've created and sort of the way the world works. When you can't explain that with exposition and you don't want to do it with like a pre-crawl or something like that, you really have to be able to explain it in little details. And I think that if you went into this movie blind, you would know after, as soon as the first scene was over – what was going on because everything from the newspapers all having the cover where where it was in big bold letters and it said it sound and then you can see the subheader subheader and stuff like that all those little details make up for like them not being able to explain stuff and i think that it makes the movie that much stronger because they're actually forcing themselves to write, write intelligently Mm -hmm. Which I think it's yeah. interesting that you said like you you literally said the words if you went into this movie blind Brian when you said that sorry if you went into this movie no, deaf no but like I mean <laughs> interestingly though I mean kind of like Bo mentioned I mean this is a movie that when you're in it you are experiencing it as if you've lost one of your own senses yeah totally so the only thing you can do is just like cling to what's happening on the screen and visually see it and sometimes it's like confusing you're not sure all what's happening but then that like how also you're clinging to your own sense of like hearing and kind of like you're saying we I think the theater we saw it in again small town Iowa I mean I think there was like six of us in there but I just like I was so aware like audibly of the space we were in and I, I yeah I, can I think better. Um, there were only two people in my theater oh there you go <laughs> and I went on like opening night 
Yeah, I think um, I think it's an experience that, um, to me, actually, I would say the opposite, Bo. I know you said over time, reflecting on it, it kind of has gone down for you. Um, yeah. I think for me, over time, it's actually gone up. I just, wow. I, I think for me, like, the story was important, but I think this experience was more important. And I think that was kind of what, um, it was just so visceral. It was, like, so... Um, just raw, like it just a raw experience. And I think having watched a lot of these interviews, um, it was about that, like, basically that like pure fear of a parent of like not being able to take care of your children. And I thought that was like a really interesting thing, interesting theme to explore in this kind of like sci-fi horror thriller genre. Cause I don't think that's really done. It's more like, oh, how do we save the world? And like in this, it's so simple. It's like, how do we protect our kids? but it's not simple. And I think for me, that's why over time, as I reflect on it, I'm like, that was actually a really, really cool idea. Um, I will say, I kind of agree with you about the actual storytelling itself at times did fall a little bit flat, but I think like, I, I don't know if that was, was like the purpose thing. of it. I think honestly, they wanted to yeah, keep it shorter and quicker because it's only like a 90 minute movie. Yeah, it's very short. I feel like they, if they wanted to write in more details, it would have just been a longer movie. And they, I think they sacrificed every little detail for having it move at a much faster pace. Yeah. I love movies that are short. You know, I love being able to squeeze in a 90-minute movie before I have an appointment or a meeting yeah. or something. Um, but this is a movie that is so delicately told and it takes its time for the first half or so. Yeah. Um, it's one of those rare movies that I think would actually benefit from adding – potentially like 10 or 20 minutes. I think I would have actually enjoyed that on the back half I felt with sort of filling out some of those details and letting some of those things fill out a little bit more naturally for me. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed Millicent Simmons, her character. She plays mm -hmm. his, his eldest daughter. I think we can just say that she's deaf. I don't think that's a spoiler. You learned that pretty early on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his deaf daughter and John Krasinski, I thought that their sort of relationship and their interactions was like one of the highlights of the movie for me. Um, there was one aspect of it that I kind of saw coming the whole time, um, and I yeah, wasn't I know a, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that just because I like I saw it coming right away, and I hate when I can see stuff coming from the start yeah. of the movie. But I just thought that their interaction and sort of the complicated relationship they have because of circumstances both obvious because you know she's deaf in a world where you can't make sound, and because of stuff that happens early on in the movie where you're like, oh shit. Um, I really enjoyed that a lot. I thought I think... some of the, sorry, some of the strongest storytelling moments happened with the daughter, you know, when we would, yeah. would switch to her perspective yeah. and you actually get, you, you understand that we are now hearing nothing because there's the, the film is, is really quiet, but it's not silent. There's ambient mm -hmm. noise going on. There's, there's, um, the rush of water you hear leaves, you hear very subtle music. But then when we switch to her perspective, it all just goes away like that. And now it's like, wow, I took the sound that was happening before for granted, and I thought that it was quiet. So um, really great job at putting us into that perspective. I loved that part. I think, I think some of the, I know um, Jake, who I saw it with, um, he didn't care for some of those like thriller moments that were like, like, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler. Like, there's this moment where there's, like, this, like, conspicuous nail sticking out of a stair. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, no, I hope no one steps on this. And, like, and that, like, infuriated Jake. He was like, that does not make any sense. Like, it's just there to, like, have that, like, oh, gotcha moment. 
And I, I, I don't know, we kind of had a back and forth about it. But I think for me, the moments like that, where it's like, almost kind of that cheesy thriller kind of thing, to me, were way like, just like, pushed down by really this beautiful and super realistic storytelling of like a family. Yeah. And I think I just like, it, it seemed realistic to me, like, there's all these arguments about like, why they would have lived where they lived and why they did certain things. But to me, I'm like, this is a father and mother that are like living in this super dangerous, super like we never thought this would happen to us world. And I think to me, the story is about them trying to like make this life as normal as possible for their kids. Um, so I don't know. To me, like the the cheesy parts of it were way like underwhelmed by I don't know this this family. I think that was the I think that was the better yeah, part. Yeah, John of Krasinski it. actually. I was watching some um, talk show interviews with him talking about the movie, and um, he actually said that this movie was important to him because it was a family movie to him, not because yeah. it was a thriller movie, but it was a it was a movie about family and togetherness, um, and kind of, you know, his perspective of a parent and how he would react. If he weren't able, like, you know, if he was in a world where he had to protect his kids at all costs from something um, like that. So I think you feeling that matters a lot because I think that's the movie he was trying to make. I agree. And I think I think they were like, how can we tell this like family matters story in a, as creative and as like really as out there in a way as possible? Because I think we've all mentioned like, none of us have had this auditory experience in a theater like we've had in a quiet place so i think they like just use that just to make it more memorable because if you're like oh this is a story about a family surviving they're like okay this has been around since swiss family robinson but like they found like a really cool way and unique way i think to make it make an even stronger connection yeah for sure um yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this uh, this movie. Um, I feel like I almost wonder because I ne- I didn't go and see it again. I'm almost wondering if I would have picked up more. But it felt it feels like a movie that when you're watching it for the first time, you can very easily pick up everything that's going on. And I don't know whether or not that's short or because it's not like a, an incredibly complex story. But I feel like it's I think a- that's it. I think that's the beauty of it. Like, I don't think it's an overly complex story. And I think they do that for a reason. I think it's so that um, really you get to almost become the storyteller. Because, like, like they've got, like you mentioned, those newspapers in the very opening scene that are plastered all over the wall. And, like, you know, oh, uh, so-and-so is missing. So, like, help us find so-and-so. But we still don't really know. We like don't see what it is that caused this problem until like fully see it until like the last five minutes of the movie. So I think that's kind of cool because really the whole time you kind of get to create like you get glimpses of it, but you're the one that gets to decide like how horrifying or how horrific or how unstoppable this thing is. And I think that's kind of the beauty of it is like they're like, hey, I'm going to take a step back from storytelling and let the audience experience it and make up the story in their minds as they're sitting there, like getting mad at their neighbor for crunching their popcorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I, 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 oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Well, there are a lot of things that that build off of each other that are introduced slowly, like the lights that they have set up on their land. You know, like you go, what what um, what do they use those lights for? Just for illumination at night? But then there's a version of the lights. They, they flip a switch and they turn red, and that's yeah. like a danger signal. You know, there's lots of just masterful. Uh, um, moments of storytelling and building out this world that um, are influenced by moments that you see earlier in the film. It's just constantly building on top of itself. Yeah, totally. And like even the scene where they're on top of the silo with like the lanterns and stuff and how all that goes into everything else. Just like small little details that don't necessarily matter for the overall plot, but they're just like nice touches to the world that they've made. I think you know? it's definitely a place that we, that you, like, I know I live in, like, kind of a secluded farmhouse. Like, it's a it's a place that you can, like, visualize and a place that you could see that, like, that's a place that you might go to survive in this sort of situation. And um, I think the rules of the world, like, for what it is, I mean, you got to suspend your disbelief a bit. But the rules of the world, I think, made sense for the most part, too. And I think that was another part of that storytelling, Brian, that you mentioned that like it's so simple and I think that's the cool thing about it because sometimes these like I don't know I maybe this is my my we're going to talk about Avengers and you guys are going to talk about Avengers <laughs> but maybe this is my thing about the Marvel world it's like there are rules but sometimes but not but like these people have rules and these people don't okay, whereas this okay well I'm just saying but in this world it the story's so simple that the rules are like like they're just face value you just have to follow them and I think that's what makes the story so, like, it makes it so easy to connect to that. Can I ask the question of why they didn't live by the ocean? It's a, it's a great point. I mean, I, when they went to that street, well, I don't know how much the of this ocean. is. Yeah, you can, you, can, you can make the waterfall, the, you can talk about the waterfall I mean, scene. There's a, there's a part where John Krasinski takes his son to the waterfall and he explains, I mean, very helpfully to the audience in addition to his son, but, like, that... It, um, hearing is relative to these creatures. So if if you're in a very silent place and you make a noise, then that noise is going to be isolated in a, in a place, place where nothing is as relatively loud, stream or something. Then it uh, you know it's not going to be picked up by the monsters. Which you know that's where the rules start to get into gray areas for me, and I kind of have a tough time like believing in it. I almost think when there are less rules. It's easier to jump on board with this movie, and then that kind of complicated things for me. Here's yeah. my thing about the waterfall thing, because I've read this before multiple times on Twitter. Everyone's like, "Why didn't they just live by the waterfall?" Here's mm-hmm. my thing: I still think, like, take away all of the monsters, take away everything else. This was a story about family, and I'm picturing like a father who like just had to take his family through the most traumatic experience. And he's, I, I mean, that house, I'm assuming, is the house they lived in, right? Because it had, like, pictures on their walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't he try and keep that life, I think, as normal for them as he could? Well, because he wants to keep his kids alive. Why wouldn't you do the smart thing? But, like, you, there's no guarantee that you're going to be alive. Like, mistakes are going to happen no matter what. So, like, why not, like, go through this life with your family in a place that they're comfortable with, that they've grown up from, and that they can cling to this place in this time of trauma? I think there's a little bit to, I think I kind of agree with both of you here. Like, I understand wanting to keep the heritage of like where you're from and stuff, but I mean, uh, he went, they went to such lengths to like build that protective shelter for their newborn child. You know, like that is a major modification 
to their their house. I mean, if they're willing to go to those lengths, you'd think that they'd be able to build like a second home next to a, a stream. But I don't know. I, I it's one of those things. It's one of those movies where like the more you dissect it, the more you're kind of missing the point. Too, what you know? kid? Like what kid would rather live in a forest with deadly creatures than on the beach? <laughs> Uh, what are you yeah, talking I, about? Where's this beach coming from? What are you referring it's to? It's the ocean. You just. I mean, who's going, who's to, going the to the ocean? What are you the talking family. about? The family. Wow, how are they going to get there? Take camping supplies. They're already living off the land anyway. Just I guess. Down to the I beach. mean, how are they going to physically get to the ocean? They no can't drive. Lot. The creatures will hear it. That's a good point. I mean, they'd have to slowly shuttle everything silently all the way <laughs> to would, the ocean. They would wheelbarrow a thing of that all that sand that they walk on. Oh my gosh! Yeah. See, now oh, you're making it too complicated, Brian. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> there, there was another thing I wanted to touch on with something I think could have been developed a little further. I think having more of this part of the movie would have worked a lot more for me. It's another instance of like more would have been better. I think. Sure. Um, it's it, in the intro, the first scene. You're we're told that we're like 90 days into this catastrophic uh, transformation of the earth with these creatures. We get a title card in the, before the first scene that says like 90 days into these incidents and we get the opening scene and something tragic happens. And then after that scene, we get a title card that says like 490 days into the incidents. And then the rest of the movie plays out. And I think that was an interesting way to communicate time I would have loved to see like more of that. That to me is an example of good storytelling though, or a good world building because you want to see yeah. more of the world going on in different parts. My, my sort of benchmark for if someone's built an interesting world in a world is if I want to dive deeper into it. If I want to know more about it and I want to go, well, what about when this was going on? What was happening over here? That's always my example of, of, of good, smart world building. So, I think that's to the movie's credit because you want to know like all this different stuff going on. But I, f I feel like that's impact was just to show this thing happens at the start and then all these days later they're still going through. I, I kind of agree with you, Brian. Like I think it's kind of – it leaves – again, the, the story is simple enough that it leaves it up to you, the viewer, to like basically kind of write it yourself. Like there's this moment I think um, – and I don't think this is too spoiler crazy. Um, they like kind of like – Lord of the Rings-esque, they like light a fire and then all these other fires start popping up in the hills. And to me, I took that as showing, hey, they're not actually alone in this. Right. There are actually other little pockets of yeah. people I surviving. actually really enjoyed that too. And looking yeah. back on that, that had nothing to do with the overall plot, really. No, but it, like it, it, it did a little bit. Building. It led into a thing in the third act, kind of, but it was barely relevant at all. Like you didn't have to include those details and you could have still written that in. But I just thought that that was a fun detail, like with what you were saying, where it was like, oh, there's all these people living around here, and that's how they communicate is at night. They see whose lanterns are on. And obviously, if your lantern's not on, like, their lantern wouldn't have turned on that night because they had all the problems with whatever. And right. everyone around them probably thought, oh, they're dead now. Yeah, I, I want to clarify. I agree with all the things you're saying. Like, that's a great touch of storytelling. And I like that they do jump between time periods. Like, they jump a year right. later. Just like the the way it was presented. I thought it was presented in a way like, oh, we're going to jump through time a lot here. We're oh, getting a title sure. card. Because it, happened, because it happened so early. Yeah. And and in the first 
10 minutes we get all the title cards in the movie and so then i was expecting like are we going to jump five more years down the line i thought it was setting up something that i was going to get that i didn't get that's sure that was maybe like another one towards the end where it shows like but i'm kind of glad that it ended how it did to be honest mm-hmm. yeah i just think it's i think it's to weird. me I, I i still sorry go ahead Bo. well it's just it just feels a little uneven where it's like 89 days into this thing Okay, now 490 days. And then I think they do like, okay, 491 days. And then it doesn't happen again. I think the impact was just supposed to be this tragedy happens at the beginning. And then it's like 400 days later, they're still doing this shit. To me, and again, this is what it's supposed to be. I think this to me is like reflecting back on it. And again, going with that theme of family. um, If you think about those days that were presented, it was it was the days that was most basically horrifying to this family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at the story just from that, like family, like those are going to be the two worst days probably in their lives. And they're like sure. looking at them um, and going into detail over them and like audibly listening to all the little things that happened on those days. And that's, I, I get like in the moment. Yeah. I think we're attuned to being like, Oh, there should be another title card about the same amount of time from now. But like yeah. in reflection, I actually really liked that. Like you kind of think back and you go, Oh, those are really significant, not just yeah. for the plot, but like for this family. I'm, I'll be interested to see if they go further with this story. Like I, I, want to see more of this world i want to see like other survivors and maybe like down the road where they go maybe that's part of my desire for that came from my uh problem with those title cards well it's interesting you say that because this was supposed to be a cloverfield movie yes i've read that also yeah okay and um i mean it was probably just like the initial idea and you can kind of tell with the character design when you see the creatures and stuff um that i got the vibe before i even knew when i watched it i was like this feels very cloverfield-esque and then I read how it was it was initially a Cloverfield idea. Um, I believe I believe though John Krasinski has since said that he does not really want to expand it. I I think I've read something that he's like he's kind of happy with the product as is, and first of all, did not want to embed it embed it into the Cloverfield world. Right. I think he was kind of like honored by that, but at the same time, like no, I want to make this a separate thing. Mm. And then I I think I read somewhere, and I mean. You guys can fact check me, but I'm pretty sure he said, like, I want this to be standalone. I want it to just, like, resonate and just be what it is. He probably sure. did. I'm fine with I, that, I, too. I would believe yeah. that. My my sort of point with the Cloverfield thing is I think that the Cloverfield movie, specifically the first two, do a really great job of setting up this universe that you want to know more about. But they also – they're sort of self-contained and their story is very yeah. self-contained. And I think that this movie – relates to those because it's very similar in that it has this interesting unique universe that you want to know more about but it's also very self-contained and you can walk away from it feeling satisfied with what you watched not feeling like you needed more and i think that that's something that the cloverfield films do very well um as well um all right bud do you want to talk about tolly a little bit here yeah, I would love to talk about Tully. Um, so th- I saw this just this last week. Um, this is Jason Reitman's new movie. He's the director of Juno and Up in the Air, mm. um, Young Adult, starring uh, Charlize Theron, uh, Men, Women, and Children. These are all movies about people who uh, kind of become what they didn't expect that they would become, and Tully is no different. And I think Tully is um, far and away my favorite movie that he's directed. Uh, this stars really? 
Yeah, this stars uh, Charlize Theron as Marlo, a mother of two who is very pregnant with her third child. Um, her husband is played by Ron, Ron Livingston. Um, her brother is played by Mark Duplass. And um, Mark Duplass's character uh, basically hires, offers to hire her a night nanny to take care of her newborn child when her uh, baby is born. Uh, she ends up, after a lot of um, consideration and sort of going through the process of being a mother of three kids now, uh, she decides to take him up on his offer. And so they hire this night nanny, Tully, who comes over in the middle of the night to help um, take care of the newborn baby while um, Marlo gets sleep. And so, I don't know, I had never heard of this concept of a night nanny, had either of you? No, you're no. speaking foreign language to me right now. Yeah, so the movie does a great job of sort of presenting what this idea is about, and you, it's it's funny. Like I found myself becoming more on board with the idea the more that Marlowe started to consider the idea as well. Um, this is a movie that is fantastic. Uh, it is my probably my second favorite movie of the year so wow. far. Um, wow. I I was very much surprised by it um it is very affecting uh it's emotional um mackenzie davis as tully it gives a great performance um the character of marlo is is so uh grounded and unhinged at parts frustrated and loving of her family it's just such a three-dimensional character that i was very attached to so i could see potentially some Oscar nods for some of these actresses, and I think they would be well-earned. I really enjoyed the movie. There is a twist at the end. Ooh. I won't say twist, but there, there, is, um, there are major spoilers about this movie that you should avoid. I would not read anything about this movie. I would actually avoid seeing trailers, too, if you haven't seen trailers. Yeah, yet. I, I, I have it, but I won't. I'll see it this weekend. You've, you've I would just, pushed me over the edge. I would just... See yeah, I would just see it uh, blind, go in blind, uh, not deaf. <laughs> uh, go in blind for Tolly because it is wholly surprising. And at the end, um, the end is something that you should not be spoiled on. I want to say more about it, but to do so would lead you down a path. And I just want you to experience it as fresh as you can. I will. I will watch it this weekend, and then I'll text you immediately afterwards so you can gush about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm intrigued as well. I literally heard of nothing about this movie except yeah. the name, I and that it had a loose connection to Juno. So I didn't like. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant. So the, there was, from my understanding, Bo. Like I don't know where I heard this, but that there was like a, a sequel mentioned. That, but that's not the case, right? Um, I think it is a, I think in a way you could call it a spiritual successor to Juno and then okay. another movie called Young Adult that Jason Reitman directed with Charlize starring in that movie as well. Um, okay. That movie is about a woman who never really um, closed the yearbook and never mm. grew up and she holds on to the past. And Tolly is, is really about, um, it's almost like, had that character from young adult decided to go down a different path. It's very interesting to compare the two to do a double feature. And I think you can watch young adult on Amazon prime right now. I encourage you to watch that too. Um, but it is a, uh, a film about 
letting go of the fa- past and accepting the future. And it's some that's those are concepts I didn't think were in the movie for the first half or so. And then I was very surprised at where it went the second half. Um, there are. Yeah, there's a lot I want to say, but I can't. If you have any questions, I'd, I'd be happy to answer. But all the performances here are great. Um, Ron Livingston is just playing like this dad who who just wants to be a good dad and is trying to do his best. And maybe not. he doesn't always realize that he could be doing more. Um, and he's just doing enough and about what a mother will do to step in and just do these like impossible tasks when you're raising three kids. The child performances here are great. Her two older kids um, are are great here. It's rare that you find performances from child yeah. actors on this level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm excited. I, like I said, had not really heard anything of it. I'm a huge Juno fan. I think I watched that movie on repeat like my sophomore year of college. I could mm. not get enough of it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I make, I like the kind of spiritual sequel comparison. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you like Juno and some of his other films, I think you, this is, this will be one that you enjoy as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. I, I strongly recommend it. I'll have to check it out. I didn't even know Definitely it was a thing until you sent a text in the movie quest chat and you were like, Hey, I want to write a review on this movie. Yeah. And I was I like, had, what? I had only seen the trailer like months ago and then um, was really the only thing I was interested in seeing. Um, and it was just based off of that vague trailer that I saw months ago. So I'm, I'm glad I went. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to see that now. Yeah. I'm excited for you to see it. Anyway, and, that's that's all I have to say, really. And drum roll for the nerd session. <laughs> it's time to talk about... Avengers Infinity War. Oh, my. Bailey, put us on mute because I've got some things to say. Bye, Bailey. Oh, Good night. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll stay and listen for you. I'll stay and listen. All right. Well, Brian, I know how much the Marvel Cinematic Universe means to you. Uh, I know that you've been watching these movies for years and that you follow them and write about them and discuss them with countless people. So why don't I kick us off? No, you, you go ahead. <laughs> no, please. Go by ahead. all means. Um... I, all I would say is I think that 10 years and 19 films worth of buildup for this universe works in a lot of places. Doesn't work so strongly in others, mm-hmm. but I think it works in more places than it doesn't, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that... Like, this movie would not be possible without the 10-year buildup, for better and for worse. And I, But I think that the better far outweighs the worse. Um, and I, I genuinely think that this is the best Marvel movie that they've made. Um, yeah, sorry, I lost you for a second there. But yeah, I, I agree that it doesn't work in every place. Um, I saw this twice, actually, already. Yeah. Um, the first time I was absolutely in love with this movie, and I don't fall in love with Marvel movies ever. I uh, <laughs> I haven't even seen every other Marvel movie. I haven't seen like all the Iron Man movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was absolutely taken with this movie. There were moments of pure um, pure joy 
that that I had that I haven't had in the movies for a long time. Um, yeah. Moments of profound sadness and tragedy, unlike anything the MCU has had before, which I have to applaud. Um, this is a this is like a great tragedy. Like yeah. it is it is on the level of a Macbeth or I, Oedipus. I posited this. You know, this. it is idea to a few people um, going in line with what you're thinking after I came out of the movie I, I reached out to them and I said that this Infinity War is the best Empire Strikes Back we've gotten since <laughs> Empire Strikes Back yeah I, I totally agree with that it, it leaves the door open for continuation and everybody knows this story is going to continue everybody knows that we have more stories to tell in the Avengers universe of course but when you look at it just as a singular experience in the context of what has been building up to it, um, it is unlike anything. It is so audacious of a movie for yeah. Marvel to have made, pulled this off. And yeah, it is not everything works in the movie. There's like some love interest stuff that didn't work for me. Um, there were some um, some comedic moments that I think were ill placed. Mm. But man, man, is it a balancing act that yeah. is pulled off masterfully and like. <laughs> the Russo brothers, I'm so impressed with. Like yeah. they they don't really have a huge filmography. They've worked on other Marvel movies, but to have these guys step into this role as directors and to get to this point where they're able to pull off all this this huge balancing act with these dozens of characters is a feat that I am astounded that they even attempted. Totally, and I think the Russo brothers are perfect directors for these movies because they're very good at taking everything that they're supposed to include, everything that they want to include, and packing it in as tightly as possible and mm -hmm. making sure that there's no throwaway moment, there's no stuff where you look back and you think, oh, they should have just cut that whole part of the movie. They're very mm -hmm. good at creating this sort of outline of we need to do this and this and this and this and this, and then they stick to it and then they fill in everything else. And I think the Russo brothers are really great filmmakers in that regard. Um, I can't think of a single spot where I thought that the humor was misplaced. I'm sure if I looked at it again, I would probably agree with you. Um, yeah. It's I will one of those say things the, emotion, where... the emotional spectrum in this movie is all over the place. It um, is. For, I, I, th I think it's, it's, it's tonally... Uh, yeah. Tonally, it didn't always work for me. And it's one of those things where I did not really noticed how tonally crazy it was until my second viewing. And then that's where it started to bother me more. Sure. Um, but uh, I think that that range just in and of itself is impressive that they even attempted that. Yeah. You totally. know, and, and they, they take, they take the qualities of all these characters that we've come to know and marry them together. You know, the, the, humor all the different kinds of humor of the guardians of the galaxy uh, with the kind of humor that thor brings when he encounters them yeah. you know that's something that you could only dream of before this movie and then um the more serious natures of black panther and the the heroic captain america the way that all that stuff is balanced it's like man that they could have easily split this into two storylines in two movies and somehow jumping between scenes they they pulled it off, man. Yeah, That's and I think crazy. there was some stuff I would have liked to have seen more of. Um, the main thing was I didn't think Captain America was in the movie for, for a whole lot. But obviously, um, um, it might be a spoiler to say this, but I'll just say it. He's going to be in the fourth one um, right. quite a bit. So 
Um, that I'm looking forward to. And I think, too, the way that they set up the next Avengers movie, it's going to be much more concise and focusing on specific storylines mm-hmm. uh, for very obvious reasons once you've seen the movie. Um, yeah. But I th- I'm kind of... I'm really... I, it's really hard for me to say that this is the best Marvel movie to date because so much of this movie's impact depends on what they do next. Right. Because if, if they... If Avengers 4 just completely negates everything that happens in this movie, I'm going to have a problem with this movie because it's like, well, why did they do this, this, and this when they were just going to remove it all anyway? And and that's why I'm trying to view this as a singular experience in the context of the 18 movies that came before it, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm not, so... As man, a singular movie, so hard. this is ass. But if you watch all the, at least some of the movies before it, it's great. Well, what, what I mean is like the continuation of this story. I'm not trying to look at yeah. Disney's upcoming release calendar and let that ruin my experience of the movie now. I don't think that's faithful to how they want us to experience this movie. Yeah. And and to see to see what is coming up, sure, that might that might sully your thoughts or opinions on their decisions, but as a singular experience, one that gave me so much joy, uh, so much sadness. One of the best villains, in my opinion, in the MCU. Um, some of the greatest action beats. I thought it was a, a mostly complete package that that really entertained and really surprised me. I'm actually not as big on Thanos as a lot of other people are, surprisingly. Um, okay. I don't think Thanos' character works without the 10 years of buildup. But at the same time, I don't think that's all for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I just felt like there were like I thought Killmonger was a more compelling villain um, than Thanos was, mm-hmm. just in terms of his motivation and um, his backstory and all this other stuff. And like, sure. And I thought that Michael Keaton's Vulture was a more interesting villain. Sure. Again, because yeah. of just you know, and a lot of that has to do with. Them being able to create a character within one within the scope of a single movie, yeah. Whereas Thanos, we had years and years to prepare, you know, prepare ourselves for this guy to appear. Um, I yeah. still think he's excellent. He's in no way a bad part of the film. I just I see a lot of people um, putting him up there as the best one, and to me, I didn't quite get that. But but I, I don't know. I, 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 think I, he... I might I might change my mind. You just named the two villains that I would probably place ahead of Thanos mm. in my my list. I would place Vulture and Killmonger above him in my list of favorite villains. But you know he's still up there at the top for me because uh, Josh Brolin brings such a menacing but yet also sad and damaged side yeah. to this character. Um, such depth there. I mean, and we don't really get a huge history lesson on who he is. But considering how much they had to deal with in the movie, they gave us enough, enough to understand. And he has an argument. It may not be as strong as Killmonger's argument from Black Panther, mm, right? Yeah. But he has an argument that you can understand, and it's twisted. It's twisted in the way that you want a good villain's plan to be. I mean, it, it, a, a good villain's plan doesn't always have to be one that you could see yourself going "Hmm, yeah that sounds good like i can side with that yeah like it should be one that you understand but is also evil and despicable and he shows so much range here i mean he's he's sad he's damaged he is menacing he destroys without a second thought um i was transfixed by 
Josh Brolin's performance and also how they left it mostly intact by choosing not to transform his voice like they do with all these other yeah. villains. You know, I mean, they just let this actor play. And I think it was to the film's benefit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had a, oh, yeah, the score, I thought, was excellent in this as well. I thought that there were a lot of uh, particularly emotional moments where I don't know that Marvel movies have had the best. There have been some emotional scenes that have worked really well, but some movies have been completely devoid of them. But I thought that this movie, some of the more emotional moments had an excellent score underneath it. And for me to notice the score in a Marvel movie is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know, that was a thing that surprised me more than once. It was like, wow, the score is really well well done and well put together. Yeah, um, I can I can think of like two or three moments where the score builds and swells and just reinforces what's going on in the action and in the emotional beats. Yeah. And some of those moments were masterfully placed and really like gave me goosebumps. I totally oh, yeah. agree with you. I had there was a specific scene where I had goosebumps for a straight minute. Um, yeah which uh, hasn't happened to me in a movie ever. Um, I also like, and this is just for me as someone who's seen all but one of the Marvel movies and, you know, who doesn't need to, all the, all the, everything explained back to me when I walk into the theater. I love that they didn't hold your hand through this movie. Yeah. And Bailey, that's probably going to piss you off as somebody who hasn't seen (laughs) the Marvel movies and don't really care. But there's so much going on now in this universe with all these movies and everything that, Basically, the Russo brothers are saying, if you haven't kept up with this point, too bad. Go back and watch everything else and then come back and and watch this movie because we've got a story to tell. We can't spend the first half hour re-explaining where everyone is and what's going on. You just got to keep up. And some of it, too, was a bit of a surprise. Like I had completely forgotten that Bruce Banner hadn't been on Earth for two years. And right. so, like, when that first interaction happened, I was like, uh, I said in the theater, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I totally forgot about that. But, you know, you remember that stuff as it happens, but they don't hold your hand through it. They're not like, oh, Bruce Banner, you've been gone for two years. And stuff that they had to do in the first Avengers movie because there were people still kind of coming in blind. Yeah. And I think now at this point they're like, listen, if you haven't kept up with these movies at all, what are you doing here? Like, Go I watch some think, other ones first. So that, I think that, if you that'll that's right where I fit in then. <laughs> well, I you but you, you have a base level movie, knowledge. If you go into this movie with, you know, if you at least know who these characters are, and I'd say if you've seen Thor Ragnarok, you're mm. probably fine. Well, but that's so crazy probably, because I feel like they take a lot of Thor Ragnarok and get rid of it in like the first twenty minutes. Well, I mean, like the the post credits. No, scene totally, totally, after, yeah. To to know where the movie starts, but really, I think. Even if you just have a basic idea of what a superhero is, you can follow pretty easily because they explain through dialogue. If you're paying attention, they explain Thanos' plan from the start and they explain like what the Infinity Stones are. Yeah. Uh, they give like a basic overview. I think, I think it does help to catch Easter eggs and to see development of characters that have been around for 10 years, sure. But to follow the story, I, I think you can... St- the the story is still comprehensible. Yeah. If you have if you're not totally familiar with all that stuff. I think if you have a base level of the film. So if you've seen the first Avengers, Captain America Civil War, mm-hmm. um Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok, 
you'll be completely you'll be you'll have enough of a base knowledge to relatively understand what's going on. All right, so I've got some homework to do because I've seen two of those four. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So Avengers, yeah. the first Avengers, I'm sure you've seen. Um, I've seen Avengers and Guardians, but not Civil War or. Have you watched uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier? You should I watch that too. I haven't seen Captain America. I haven't seen a single. I. This is too. I haven't seen them. You should watch Civil War because, or not. Sorry, you should watch Winter Soldier. A because it's actually just an excellent movie, and B because it provides a lot of the build up to Civil War. Then you should watch Civil War. You could skip Age of Ultron. That's whatever. I mean, I there's. I mean, the consequences of Age of Ultron lead into Civil War, but they kind of are just like, hey, this is the thing that happened. Um, so yeah, you should watch Winter Soldier, Civil War, uh, I would watch Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and then, oh wait, you hated that. Um, I've seen it and hated it. Yeah, you hated that. Uh, and, then, uh, and then Thor Ragnarok. Oh, and Black Panther too. So I'm gonna need this, like, in a PowerPoint format, <laughs> um, also a flowchart poster form would Well, if you well. go to nocoastbias.com, oh, uh, my discussion with a couple other of the writers, Dan Soden and Rob Coles, where we discuss the Marvel movies. Um, the nerd panel. <laughs> okay. That's the name of our podcast now. <laughs> this is no longer Movie Quest. This is the nerd panel now. We only talk Marvel movies. I'd say I'm a self-proclaimed nerd in... Many Self-proclaimed areas. nerd. What does that mean? Yes, I draw the line at comic books and comic book movies. <laughs> You're lost, I guess. I just always have to tease you. Mm, well, you're missing out on all the good stuff. Uh, Bo, do you have anything yeah. else to say about Infinity War? Um, no, I... Yeah, I. it's an excellent movie. I think right now it's my favorite movie of the year. I think it just barely edges out totally, totally and there are wow. two... Two completely different movies <laughs> yeah, that you cannot same, compare in any conversation. <laughs> but it's the only movie I've seen twice. Um, and it's just filled with so much wonder and imagination that I was just taken with it. And um, I'm probably going to rewatch it even again at some point. Yeah. I and, and I will say, I've never been a huge Marvel uh, fan. I've never been a huge MCU fan. Like, I've seen most of the films, like I mentioned. But never before have I been eager to go online and start like researching the next movie. Yeah. And I'm eager for more like scraps from the table from Marvel about like what does this stuff mean? What are we going to get next? I am eating up every morsel I can. I've never done that after any of the Captain America movies. I didn't do that after uh, Doctor Strange or Black Panther or Spider Man Homecoming. I or Guardians of the Galaxy two for sure. Yeah. Uh, and and now I'm actually very much looking forward to Ant Man and the Wasp, which is something I didn't think I'd, I'd say. <laughs> You'd say in 2018. No, never would I have imagined. And I'm looking forward to their roster next year. I'm on board now for the first time in 10 years. Yeah, totally. Um, I think if you have a, honestly, I think if you have a base level knowledge of this movie and you go in, I think that you'll love it. And I think I think if this movie doesn't rope you in. None of them are going to because this is yeah. such an excellent movie, um, and it's just really well put together front to back. I mean, we've mentioned you know stuff that we didn't think worked and blah blah blah, but these are all very small things. Um, yeah, you know, you just said it's your favorite movie of the year. Of the year. It's my favorite movie of the year so far. Um, yeah, it's just been it was just excellent. It, I I loved it, and I, and I couldn't believe it actually met my expectations. 
right. was so ready for it to, you know, I was ready to come out and be like, oh yeah, that was good, but you know, it's ten years of build up, hard to, hard to achieve, you know, mm-hmm. the level of expectation that they set, but they actually did it, which to me was the most amazing part of that movie. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right. Um, well, that's the stuff we watched. Uh, we went super in depth. Uh, with Infinity War, much to Bailey's chagrin. Um, so, do we want to? Let's dive into stuff that we want to see. Um, we talked about Solo, a Star Wars story, story last pod. Um, that comes out uh, next end of this week? month. End of it's end of next week, right? I think um, so. It is, yeah, it's the it, end of it, next week. We're we're two weeks away, I think. Maybe less than two. No, weeks. it's Mem- the end of Memorial next week. Day, I looked it up. Memorial Day weekend, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Yeah. So it'd be Thursday or Friday yep. of that weekend. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, but uh, we never mentioned Deadpool 2, which comes out this week, which I'm kind of surprised about because I really enjoyed the first Deadpool. Have it, did either of you see it? Yes. I did. It's, it's, I think I can see why people enjoy it. It's just like so not my style. Like, <laughs> not your thing. Like, yeah. like, it's just like that kind of move that's in your face, which is like, yeah, it's raunchy, it's gory, it's over the top. And for me, like, I can see why people like it. Just for me, not my personal taste. But yeah. Ryan Reynolds is hysterical. So I, like, if someone had to, like, drag my, like, twist my arm to see it, I'd be like, okay, Ryan Reynolds is in it. I'll go see it. Sure. Well, and I think that I'm not really big into the whole in-your-face, you know, gore, whatever else stuff. But I think that there was an evident love for the character, specifically by Ryan Reynolds, and sort of, the level of writing that they put it like he wanted to get it absolutely right the first one and i really kind of felt his desire to make this character as good as possible and i had a lot of appreciation for that i think and i yeah there's I, not a sorry well, go ahead well I, I was just gonna say like i haven't i haven't been super excited for deadpool 2 until recently and the and the closer we get to it i'm like i really just kind of want to see what he does with this because you know, he brought this character up and everybody thought the movie was going to tank it was going to be awful and it was great and now it's like, okay, now you've set the bar high. What are you going to do now when expectations are that this is going to be good because the last movie was good? So I'm, 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 I'm interested to see what happens here. Yeah, there's few people who like are actors and then become their role and they're like almost inseparable. Like I think a few might be like Johnny Depp and J- Captain Jack, Jack Sparrow, Sparrow yeah. and like uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man or like Tony Stark or whatever. I think, um, I think too. Um, because I was thinking about this the other day. Um, who plays Michael Scott in The Office? What's his name? I can't remember uh, on this. Steve Carell. Yeah, I think like Steve Carell, I've only ever seen him in indie movies kind of since The Office. I feel like it would be hard. Mm. If, if he showed up on the big screen, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, Michael Scott. <laughs> but like to me though that like that like Robert Downey Jr is Tony Stark to me it's kind of like Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Like it just like I don't know like I follow him on Twitter and Instagram and things like that. I'm like, okay, which one are you right now? <laughs> it does seem like it does seem huh. to match his personality a lot more than you'd think. Yes. Which, which I think again weird. is is the one endearing thing to me that like if someone was like, "Hey, let's go see this movie." I I might be like, "What? Okay, I'll go see it." Yeah. Bo, what do you think? Uh I I too wasn't really a huge fan of the first Deadpool. It's just not my style. You know, sure. I yeah, kind of agree it doesn't with you, seem Bailey. like your movie now that I, now that um, I about it. But Deadpool 2, you know, has the same director as the first John Wick and a t- 
atomic blonde. So you know that the action scenes are probably going to be a lot better uh, in the second movie. The first movie was directed by Tim Miller, who hasn't really been known for anything else other than some shorts in like the early 2000s. Yeah, and like as far as I can tell. Oh, Silicon Valley, you said? Yeah, he was, he was, uh, oh, okay. he had a big role in Silicon Valley until just recently. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so I, I, I have faith in the director, and I think that the movie is adding some interesting characters and is kind of building out a team. So it's kind of going the Avengers route in the Deadpool universe. So I think that's an interesting route, and I'll oh, be eager to see it. Yeah. Um, I, it's just not my most anticipated I, movie. I really yeah. like Zazie Beats, too. And she's she's in it as well. She's she's uh, in Atlanta. I don't know if okay. any of you watched that show, but yeah, she's no. she's no, the female she's the female lead in Atlanta, and that show is excellent. And she's a very good actress. So um, mm, yeah, okay. I, I don't know. I'm excited for Deadpool too. I didn't think I would be, but here we are. Um, yeah. Hereditary. Bo, you put that down, right? Yeah, this is a new uh, creepy movie that is getting, I think, a smaller release mm. uh, here in next early June. Um, if you've seen the trailer for this, I saw the trailer for this before A Quiet Place, and it just looks absolutely creepy. Um, it, it's one of those like new indie horror movies that uh, is probably going to be a, about a lot more than originally meets the eye when you watch the trailer. And mm-hmm. um, early reviews have been very positive, and uh, it looks creepy as hell. So I'm looking forward to kind of seeing... A movie that creeps me out other than A Quiet Place this year. Oh, fun. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, I will not be checking that out. I will be <laughs> hiding under my bed. <laughs> and and I actually don't I don't watch a lot of horror movies. Like I don't like usually getting scared watching movies, but something about this movie is just drawing me in. I want to learn more about what is there. There's a lot of weird, creepy imagery in the trailer. But not a lot of explanation I as think, to what's going on. I think on. Get Out is starting a new thing with horror movies where they're going to be, they're going to be <laughs> all over the place now. And I'm really excited for that or, because I think Get or Out almost more like psychological, like which that's what I feel like was the creepy thing about A Quiet Place because I hate mm-hmm. scary movies and yeah. I thought like I survived A Quiet Place pretty easily. What yeah. I think Get so Out it's almost more was like such a, a successful process. idea with like. You know, there's such original. It was such an original idea, and it got so much success. I think more people are gonna be like, "Oh, I can tell this story, even though it's kind of weird and out there," because yeah. you know, um, Jordan Peele just told Get Out, and people loved it and embraced it. So I think I think we're gonna see a, lo- a big influx in new and interesting ideas in horror movies, and I'm mm-hmm. here for it, um, despite not being the biggest horror movie fan. Uh, I also put down Ocean's Eight. Because I absolutely adore the Oceans movies, and I'm really excited to see what they do for this. I'm intrigued by it. I have to say, like, I mean, to me, any cast that's like star-studded and female-led, I'm kind of like, hmm, what's this about? And yeah. like, I don't know. It just seems like it's going to be a ton of fun. It's not something I don't know if I'd go well, that's see in all theaters. the Ocean movies. Is Oceans 11 and 13 are an absolute blast. And I love those movies. And I just, like, I'm really excited to see, because from the cast that I've seen, I think that um, this type of movie will work, will work really well for a lot of them, just in terms of the the beats and the timing of everything and sort of just the quips back and forth, I think, will be really fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to this. I loved the trailer for it, even. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. 
And I can see this being a very popular movie. I think it's going to hit at a time where it's the middle of the summer. Um, it's going to be the big like female-led movie. And I think it's going to do really well at the box office. Like I could see it kind of catching on as it enters the theaters for a couple weeks. Um, I'm looking forward to this one as well. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a blast. Um, I put down Jurassic World. Um, Bo, Ugh. you kind of went, ugh, when I put that down. Yeah. Um, I'm only putting it down because I wasn't super thrilled by the first trailer. The second trailer looked better, but I'm still unsure. I'm only really putting it down because I enjoyed the first one, and I think Chris Pratt is capable of leading a film, like, well, to the point where... Because I think Jurassic World was like that, where you you go back and you look at it, a little bit and you're like eh, some of this doesn't really work but I think Chris Pratt is charismatic enough and there's enough stuff going on in that movie that you don't really notice it and I think that pretty that's much just like the second one. Chris Pratt and Dinos I'm like I'll go see it <laughs> yeah. well that and I really like Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, I mean Jeff Goldblum's in it what more can you ask for Yeah, it'll be it'll a little be, nostalgic it'll be, it'll be good it'll be fine yeah I'm sure it'll be fine at, at the least um, Incredibles 2 I'm super excited for Incredibles is one of my favorite Pixar movies. Um, I really like the direction they took this from what we've seen. I'm doing my best to be honest. Like I do this thing with Pixar movies. I've noticed Pixar movies only every Pixar trailer. I see it. I go, that looks dumb as heck. (laughs) I like, I always like every, I can recall like the first time I saw a trailer for up or for Wally or for like, so many of these like really amazing movies i just was like stupid stupid like mm. uh inside out i remember thinking like what the heck that looks so dumb and then i of course like leave the theater in tears bawling because it's so amazing but like i have been doing a really like thorough job of not watching a single thing for incredibles 2 Ooh. because to be honest like i just kind of want to like actually go into a Pixar movie without thinking this is going to be dumb because <laughs> ah. I want to see, I want to see what happens. So like, I I'm, respect that. Yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm just going to watch rewatch Incredibles. Yeah. And cause from my understanding, it takes, I mean, Jack, Jack, the, the previews I've seen, like he's still a baby. So it must take place like in pretty it much takes immediately, place after. immediately after the first one. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to watch Incredibles one, live it up and then go to the theater and then hopefully love it. The only thing uh-huh. I'll say is the direction it looks like they've taken the story is absolutely not what I expected, but I'm really excited to see it. It's okay. an angle that I hadn't considered. See, that's why I'm not going to watch the trailer, because otherwise I'd probably think it's done. <laughs> Honestly, the first time I kind of saw it, I kind of thought, I don't know how I feel about this. But then when I saw the second one, I thought, no, I'm on board with this. I really want to see what they what they do here. I'm, I'm kind of still at that first stage you were at. Like, I'm, I'm kind of at the stage where I'm excited for it because it's Pixar. It's just yeah. my blind love of Pixar. But seeing the trailer a couple times, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to see so much of that. I want to see more of that. And it seems like the trailer is focusing more on that first thing that I'm not really on board for. Movies have done this thing recently where they're really trying to subvert our expectations. We've seen it in blockbusters, we've seen it in smaller movies, and I think that this is another example of that. And I think that with the right storytellers, it works. And I Uh think Pixar are the right storytellers. So that's kind of why I have my faith in them is because sure. this this to me is an interesting concept on paper and I trust Pixar enough with all that they've done to be able to flesh yeah. it out. 
Yeah, they're they're going to keep some cards close to the chests, of course. It's, and it's the, I'm, it's the Pixar effect. Like you just see the trailer, you're like, "What the heck are they doing?" And then we're all going to leave and be like, "That was awesome," and then immediately go pay another ticket to go back and see it again. Yeah, yeah. It's actually smart. Like they they make you go thinking you're going to see something, and then they subvert your expectations, like Brian said. And it ends up being a, a refreshing, like, new experience, one that you didn't think you'd have. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think that's happened to me in every Pixar movie, except I think it was, like, was this even a Pixar movie? I think it was The Good Dinosaur. Do you guys yep, remember Good that? Yeah, Good Dinosaur was a Pixar movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, saw that. I would say that's the one Pixar movie I've seen, and I've been, like, this was honestly laughably bad like the worst movie i've ever seen it's not their best maybe you just didn't get it bailey did you ever consider <laughs> it was yeah, no first two maybe you just didn't understand the art chris pratt wasn't in it that's why that's I didn't get it, I it, only, it only met one of your two criteria yeah if it wasn't a marvel movie also no yeah. true. Um, true true yeah that yeah. that's a very strange movie it's like just tonally way different than other marvel mo- or marvel <laughs> pixar movies it's all the uh, same it's all owned by disney <laughs> It's all Disney. That's um, true. But yeah, it's just really weird. I thought that one was kind of a misstep as well. But yeah, I think Incredibles 2 will be a great sequel. I just hope that it's not like Finding Dory because I thought Finding Dory was a step backwards from Finding Nemo. Yeah, I, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even see that. Step forward. I didn't even yeah, see Finding Dory. It's I didn't on Netflix, it. but nah, uh, it's all right. Uh, throw it on while I'll you're pass. doing laundry or something. I haven't yeah. even seen all of Toy Story 3. And I've heard that's Whoa. good. But I'm like, no, like I want... I liked Pixar in the past because they were always moving on to new ideas. They yeah. didn't have to do sequels and keep telling the same story. They had new stories to tell. And that's what I like about Pixar. Like you could do a – like it's been – like Toy Story 2 was great because it was years later. And it was like, yeah, I'm here for this. And like yeah. Incredibles 2, it's years later. And, but it's like yeah. I don't need – like I don't need a sequel directly after and all this stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, um, something decidedly not Disney, not Pixar. Pixar, not Marvel, yeah. um, is a movie that I'm kind of interested in seeing. I'm streaming now on Amazon Prime, uh, Padma Vat. It's actually out of Bollywood. And um, um, kind of the reason I'm drawn to it is, first of all, it's an Indian film. So, you know, I'm not, we never really hear about foreign films. But um, this one's kind of making the rounds um, in the news realm because it's so controversial just for the story it's telling and like the certain actresses and actors that are in it. So I don't know. I mean, I'm going to watch it and maybe it'll be something that down the road might pop up Oscars, foreign film nominations. Um, I'm not an expert on Bollywood. And also I, I don't know, Bo, maybe you would know this. I I feel like foreign films almost always come out of um, Europe, uh, the nominations anyway. So, uh, well, I, I I'm can't just thinking, speak to that. I can't speak to that, but um, Wikipedia has a great list of every film ever nominated, and it very handily tells you uh, what country it comes from. So you can do a, a study on that. It'll yeah. report back to us. I'd be I, curious I'm just thinking, like, yeah, I'm thinking short films like that stuff will sometimes be like documentaries seems to be very Middle Eastern heavy, but like foreign films almost always seems to be like Russia. Um, Germany, Switzerland, Switzerland, yeah, like stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. I don't know. I'm just curious to see it. It's free. I can watch it from the comfort of my home. So I'm gonna give it a try. Um, same with uh, Fahrenheit 451, which comes out this weekend. Like I've mentioned, planning on watching that. Um, hopefully early next week, um, and see what that interpretation of that story is like. 
Woo! Totally. Um, all right, we're ending on this. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Bo, Bo said he was mildly intrigued by it, and so I feel the need to have to explain it because I actually know shit about this movie. Um, oh, no. Bo, why don't you lean into the movie that you're kind of intrigued by? Uh, I don't have the list in front of me. What Remind me. Uncle Drew. Oh, Uncle Drew, yeah. Uh, I don't know. This is just like... Uh, old basketball players dressing up like they're even older, and I find that comical. Not all know, of that's... them are older. The well, main I... character is Kyrie Irving, who is like yeah. 25 and plays in the NBA. So do you know how this started? Uh, no, I, I know Drew nothing about was this was a series movie. of Pepsi commercials. Okay. Basically, Pepsi wanted to sponsor Kyrie Irving, and he was like, yeah, but I want to make my own commercials. And he created this character called Uncle Drew, who is basically what you see in the trailer, who's this old uh, ex-basketball player um, who happens to be uh, a superstar at the game of basketball. Um, and like the, in the series of commercials, he goes and gets his old teammates, and um, uh, he sort of recruits them all one by one in a, in a commercial and sort of a short, short video. And um, some of them are actually reprising their roles in the movie. Some of them aren't because they're current NBA players and, you know, they're focusing on other stuff. But, yeah, basically this was a commercial concept by a player that turned into a full feature film. Uh, and that's I, actually I, fantastic. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's the case. I don't know. Ryan, I would, I would love to see this movie with you. Oh, God. Let's let's do it. Let's go watch Uncle Drew together. I'm gonna hate this right. movie. So well, I briefly hated Dear Basketball, and you loved it. So <laughs> yeah, but it has it has a feel to be on the other side. I didn't even love Dear Basketball. I just thought it was good. <laughs> Dear Basketball was slightly the strongest in a weak category at the Oscars. And I've heard other things. I've heard that um, I've heard that it was the weakest in a strong category. But oh really? Well, I would trust your opinion I, more. It, so. it wasn't my favorite of all the shorts, but what I was think your that favorite? Academy Just out of Sunday, curiosity. Uh probably um, the French one about the suitcases. Negative I forget space. what it's called. Negative space. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I heard. Um, probably should have won it, but um, and then Garden Party was just like the most beautifully rendered. I thought like it it was amazing mm. how well that one looked. And then Dear Basketball was just like this shitty like pencil on paper animation that I could have done. I, I don't think know. I think Dear Basketball was propelled by sort of the emotional narrative, which I know is and cool I know if, that, you, if you ignore the fact that Kobe Bryant's kind of a piece of shit. But well I know that the animation style isn't everything. It's just like yeah. it was really short. It feel felt just kind of like thrown together to me. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Alright, well yeah. That's those are my thoughts on Uncle Drew. Um anybody else have any closing thoughts before we uh, get out of here? It's very late. On a Monday, uh, not really. No. Um, yeah, Movie Pass should still sponsor us, even though they've been. Well, Ass- they've been great. Assholes. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. No, they <laughs> haven't been great because they haven't sponsored us it. yet. Movie Pass, you want That's us to change right. our tune? You send that check in. They're busy. They're very busy. Yeah, they're busy with PR right now. Yeah, um, I try to call them all day. They don't answer. <laughs> Pick up the phone. Sponsor my podcast. <laughs> Um, all right. Bailey, you have any closing thoughts? I don't. I'm looking forward to the summer and what I'll actually have time to go to see, see some Marvel movies. Avengers yeah. Infinity War. 
Thank you. You guys just wait. Good night. You guys just wait. This is just going to be like a summer long of movies. Oh, we'll wait. We'll wait. All right. You better catch. Yeah, you better. Yeah. So do we have a friendly competition in place? Yeah. Um, Friendly, a.k.a. you just destroying us? No. (laughs) I don't really want. Keep in mind that Bo has some very big personal events coming up that we can use to our advantage to catch up to. I'm going to be gone for months this year. Like the weeks will add up to months. So you can catch up. Oh, oh, I'm going to do it. I I want you guys to be competitive. That's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is so that like there could be like this. You want a challenger? Yeah, I think that'd be. You want fun. someone to okay. challenge the throne? All right, Bo. All right, I'll catch up to you. Just you wait. I want. I just want like Brian to be like this closeted super watcher, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah, I watched forty movies." What's this gonna month. happen like, is Whoa. it's gonna be like pods like this where i'll have like two movies and you'll have like six and then all of a sudden in like october i'll be like i saw this and this and this and it'll be like 18 Um, movies and then i'll just like in the last three months i'll just like just barely catch up to you i will say the year is young the year the year is young it's only we're not even halfway through the year yet so um all right all right well this has been movie quest 2018 brought to you by no cost bias no cost I'm Brian Hall, that is Bo Pullman, that is also Bailey Krieger, and we are out of here.